Hey, I'm Ethan Jago. Welcome to the Crossroads Podcast. We are continuing our special church history series in which we have a five-minute special on the church fathers. Last time we ended with the Apostle John's death in 90 AD on the island of Patmos. Now we're going to be picking this up with one of the first apostles after the death of the last apostles, one of the first apostle followers. And in this, we're going to be looking roughly from 95 AD until 155 AD. And in this time period, we're going to be talking about the disciples of the apostles, and we're actually going to be identifying three major players that were disciples of the apostles that I think is just going to be uh, pretty helpful for us. Um, Now, when we look at this time period, we're going to first look at Clement of Rome. Clement of Rome uh, was a pastor of the church in Rome from about 90 to 100 AD. Now, let's put this in perspective, is that he was a pastor of the church in Rome while the apostle John was on the island of Patmos where he was writing the last book of Revelation. Now, when you look at Clement of Rome, some people believe that in Philippians chapter 4, verse 3, that this is actually a reference to this individual of Clement. Um, Now, the epistle Philippians was roughly written in 60 to 62 AD, um, so we can't really confirm that with any certainty that that is who is being referred to, but some scholars like to believe that that was in fact the case. Now, when you look at Clement of Rome, uh, a huge thing that he pushed for was that justification, as in the process of salvation, was a gift of God's grace, grace, excuse me, which was received by faith apart from works. So why was he saying this? Well, a lot of false teachers in Rome were actually pushing and talking that salvation was something that you could earn. Salvation was something that if you try hard enough, if you're smart enough, if you're clever enough, you can eventually become a Christian. Because if you think about the paganism that was rampant in this era and rampant in that city, uh, this was something that they had to work with. And if you look back at Acts chapter 17, Paul addresses this with two major philosophical systems at that that time of Epicureanism and Stoicism. So another way to think about that is hedonistic uh, understanding of life is all that there is. Let's have fun. Then Stoicism basically thinking about uh, if I just live a very virtuous life, I can have meaning in my life. Now, when you look at Clement of Rome, uh, there's some interesting uh, aspects of him that we want to be looking at. Now, he wrote an epistle to the church in Corinthians, and it has been called First Clement or even Second Clement. Now, he is writing very similarly to what Paul was writing to that church in Corinth about the sexual immorality and the impropriety that was happening within that church. And he wrote this roughly 40 years after the Apostle Paul had addressed the issue in 1 Corinthians. And the big thing that he emphasized in his fight for the church was there should not be infighting. There does not need to be disunity. And you cannot allow this to creep into your church. Now, the reason why this was important is because the the geographical location of Corinthians uh, or the church in Corinth was a very cosmopolitan area. In fact, Nero had his own palace in Corinth, uh, which is rumored to have been where he was when uh, Rome burnt down. So if you think about what we were talking about last week or last episode, is that he was blamed for the destruction of Rome with the fire, but then he kind of placed that on uh, Christians and said that, no, it was in fact their fault. So when you look at that, it's kind of interesting that that area in in Corinth was a very high-trafficked, high-leveled area, 
and it was uh, definitely being attacked with a cultural paganism and secularism as well. So getting back to Clement of Rome here. So when we look at Clement of Rome, uh, some other things to be thinking about is he is the first individual who had actually coined the term the Trinity. The Trinity was the first time in which we see, obviously within uh, scriptures, we see elements pointing to the Trinity, but we actually see the Trinity being coined by him talking about uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit being three in one. Um, so this is Clement of Rome. It was really uh, interesting as well as we look at his letters, we look at his life, and sadly Clement was martyred in 100 AD. The way in which Clement was martyred was they had tied an anchor around his neck and they had thrown him off a ship into a region in which when the tide would go out, you would be able to see the body. And so the church that he was ministering into Rome uh, saw his martyrdom, was able to recover the body, and was able to uh, have a proper burial for him. So that is Clement of Rome. The next individual we're going to look at is Ignatius of Antioch. Ignatius of Antioch, we can see that he was the pastor of the church uh, of Antioch, which was established in 40 AD by, fun fact for you, Paul and Barnabas. And if you wanted to look at that, you can look at that in Acts chapter 11. It's uh, really awesome how you see the passing of the baton from the apostles to the individuals that they were training um, for ministry and that they were training because it's not going to die with them. So it was just a really cool uh, thing here to make that connection. So although he wasn't mentioned in the book of Acts, uh, there is tradition that states that Peter, the apostle Peter, actually trained Ignatius and appointed Ignatius, the Apostle Peter appointed Ignatius to be the pastor of that church. Um, now, with that too, Polycarp, the next individual we're going to be looking at, also was a follower and also was a disciple of Peter and worked along with Ignatius. Now, what's awesome about Ignatius is that we have a lot of different letters of his. And one thing that I think we need to be kind of understanding is he was a huge purporter for us as Christians to be celebrating and practicing church on Sunday. And he says this in his epistle to the Magnesians. He says this, we are no longer observing the Sabbath, but living in observation and observance of the Lord's day on which also our life has sprung up again by him and his death. So the church practiced in the first century right around this time of meeting on Sundays, not on Saturdays. And this was established in the New Testament in Acts chapter 20, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. But it's really cool that Ignatius reiterated this, most likely because Judaizers were again attacking Christians, saying, you are not keeping the Sabbath day holy. You need to be practicing the Sabbath day on Saturday. But we have understood that we now celebrate Christ, the day that Christ rose was on a Sunday. So with this too, uh, Ignatius also kind of pushed out different setups for the church polity or the structure of the church, uh, talking about bishops and elders and pastors. And when you look at the word bishop and elder, uh, you can look at this in the New Testament in several different instances, but there's two different verses or a few here that I want to highlight to you. Acts chapter 20, verse 17 and verse 28, Titus 1, 5 through 7 and 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. And the role bishop or elder were used synonymously to be the person or the overseer in charge of the church. 
And it's just interesting to be looking at that. Now, Ignatius was martyred in Rome around the year 117, and he was most likely fed to the wild beasts within the Colosseum or what people call the Circus Maximus, uh, or it was an arena similar to the Colosseum. So there's rumors that it was in the Colosseum, but most likely it was in the Circus Maximus. So Ignatius was pushing out that we are to celebrate the Lord's Day on Sunday and not on a Saturday. So he did many other things, but that's the one I definitely want to highlight. Now, the last one we have here is Polycarp of Smyrna. Polycarp of Smyrna was martyred in 155 AD. And what did Polycarp do? Well, depending on how much you've studied him or not, uh, his name was named as Fruitful. Uh, his name, when you look at the translation, it means fruitful. And he was a disciple of the Apostle John. He pastored the church in Smyrna near Ephesus and for much of the second century. And what's also interesting is that Smyrna is one of the seven churches listed in the book of Revelation. And you can see that in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Now, Polycarp wrote an epistle to the Philippians. And this is a letter that is still uh, available today that you can read. And he writes uh, two pastors... Uh, in this letter. And I'm not going to read that due to time. But what is interesting, though, is that this letter that he has written contains more than 100 citations of or allusions to the New Testament from 17 different New Testament books. So what does this mean? This means that there was definitely at this point in time, a scripture, a Bible that had already been put together that was being disseminated around the area that was being taught and preached from. Well, why does that matter? Well, this is very important because a lot of individuals today from an apologetical standpoint will look back and say, well, the Bible's been misconstrued. This is something that was made several, several thousands of years later. But in fact, no, you can look back and see that no, Polycarp was evidence in his writings in which he was referencing 17 other New Testament books. So we have a lot of other extra biblical references to attest to the reliability and also the central theme and message of scripture. Now, Polycarp was killed um, in, uh, again, the Circus Maximus and in his martyrdom, which is one of the earliest accounts of Christian martyrdom that was actually very well documented in the martyrdom of Polycarp. When Polycarp was killed, he was around 86 years old. And what happened was the emperor did not want to martyr him because he didn't want to uh, kill an old individual. So he gave him an opportunity to just denounce the Lord and, you know, I'll let you go. Well, Polycarp, in fact, did not. And, you know, one of the issues that was happening at this time, too, was that the Romans and a lot of other individuals were claiming that Christians were cannibals because when they would hear about the Lord's Supper, they would assume that when we said, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me, they thought that we thought that the bread was turning into physical Jesus's body and that the cup was actually turning into Jesus's blood. And so they were calling Christians cannibals. And they were also claiming that Christians were atheists because they only believed in one God. And most of the individuals at that time believed in a pantheon of gods. And so Polycarp was on trial for that and Polycarp would not back down. So he was killed. So there we go. We've got now the history of the patristic era or in the area directly after the disciples from 95 AD to 155 AD. Thank you for joining Crossroads today on this shotgun five-minute church history lesson. I will see you guys next time.